Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, as the gaggle of legal analysts go on cable TV and sit at their computers and write their, their blogs. You don't have to be a legal scholar to figure out what's taking place in this country right now. An order was issued 40 minutes after the last brief was filed by the United States Supreme Court. In other words, it had already made up its mind. In the case of Pennsylvania, we've talked about at length as we have these other cases, but Pennsylvania in particular. He said, the application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Alito and by him referred to the court as denied. That's it. Now, why did they do that? And so this will be the speculation that starts today and goes on for the rest of time. Now I'm going to tell you why I think this took place. This was a open and shut case. This was a black letter law case. But I think the Supreme Court justices now, I think they're very fearful. I think they're fearful the way Justice Owen Roberts became fearful after FDR tried to pack the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court would issue rulings 5 to 4, 5 to 4, 5 to 4, over and over again with Owen Roberts switching in support of FDR's programs. Before that, they were knocking them down because FDR threatened to pack the court. He wanted to add six seats, six. This court knows full well, excuse me, this court knows full well that if Joe Biden's president And if the Democrats win two seats in Georgia, that there's really no way to stop 
the Democrats from actually packing the court. FDR couldn't do it, but they could. And I think this is a constant in their thinking. That these justices sat in their conference room and had a long talk. Not so much about the law and the Constitution, but about politics and the political ramification of what would happen to their institution, which is now being threatened. And I think they made a terrible decision, and I think history will judge it that way. It's not a matter of them getting involved in politics. They're always involved in politics. What will happen now is any state Supreme Court and any state legislature can change election laws lawlessly, whether they violate their own Constitution or whether they violate Article 2 of the Constitution. And they know the United States Supreme Court will do nothing. Nothing. And so this will create further chaos and further division in this country. Because they made, in my view, a fundamentally and historically devastating decision to duck. Now that doesn't mean the petitioners can't file for a writ of certiorari. Remember, this was up on an emergency appeal for an injunction. It doesn't mean the petitioners can't file for a writ of certiorari for the entire case to be heard. I don't know what they're going to do. But I suspect it's likely the same result. But these justices are fearful. They're scared. Some of them are ideological. We know the Democrats on the court stand strongly for their activism. We know that Roberts has flipped. But apparently the other five... We're not going to get involved, you see, because the likelihood of changing the results of the election and then we'll be accused of interfering. And you can imagine the editorial pages across the country and the commentary and the legal analysts. They read it all. They watch it all. They hear it all. And they know that this would be used against them. So rather than stand up And put an end to the chaos. You know, early on what this court could have done under John Roberts is two simple uh, comments. Number one, the states must comply with Article 2 of the Constitution. Meaning state Supreme Court, state governors, state election boards, state secretaries of state are free to change election laws that are used, at least in part, to select electors. Period. Period. And then the court could have easily said that when a state Supreme Court or a, a legislature fails to comply, of course it's a federal question, we will address it. So follow Article 2. And in doing so, comply with the state and federal constitutions. That's all this court had to do. It could have done it five weeks ago. It had a case presented to it, and it didn't do it. 
The Commonwealth judge is the hero in this entire matter. The appellate court in Pennsylvania got it right because that judge was not driven by politics. She was not driven by a result-oriented decision. She was fearless in her defense of the rule of law. So what the U.S. Supreme Court has done, lawyers will tell you no, but effectively what it has done is it's given a rubber stamp to what the state Supreme Court did and to what the legislature did when it violated the Constitution in October 2019, and that has an important reason, 2019, because it was prior to the presidential election. They didn't do it in 2018. They didn't do it in 2017. It's 2019. 2019. So state legislatures are effectively free to do whatever they want, but the most powerful force in the selection now of our electors are the state Supreme Courts. They can rewrite the laws. They can defy the federal constitution. Whereas Justice Rehnquist and that court put the Florida court in a box and said, no, you don't get to do this. Chief Justice Roberts, in his court, said, oh, yes, you do. Many people are very excited about the case brought by the state of Texas, which is being joined by other states, I understand, Louisiana, perhaps Florida. And they're suing other states, like Pennsylvania and Georgia. What makes you think? that just because the U.S. Supreme Court is taking that case, that the result will be a just result. They just had an opportunity. Just had an opportunity to address a black-letter law case, as we call it. You had some legal analysts, like at National Review, they were hanging on latches, which was preposterous from day one. You have other legal analysts who are trying to figure out what's Alito up to. In the end, in the end, all the filings, all the briefing, all the deadlines were meaningless, pointless. I'm not even clear why Alito did what he did, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know why he did what he did. I don't know why he needed briefing, particularly if they're going to issue this this order, 40 minutes after the last brief was filed. That means they'd already made up their mind. They weren't going to get involved. This Supreme Court will get involved in a whole lot of stuff. It'll rewrite laws like it did the Obamacare law. But when it comes to the biggest of federal questions the selection of a president or vice president, the obvious violations of Article 2 by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, the obvious violations by the state legislature of the Pennsylvania Constitution and its effect on the choosing of electors. If it's not going to take that case and do justice for the American people, I don't see it taking any other. Now, I could be wrong. I hope I am. 
please understand. All this court had to do early on, say follow Article 2, all states must follow Article 2. And they must apply, comply with all constitutions, state and federal, in following Article 2. That's all it had to say. I think they're scared to death. I think they're very worried about what's going to happen. I think they think we're going to lose Georgia. I think they think Biden will be sworn in. And I think they think that any step they take to enforce the federal constitution against a lawless Democrat party, lawless state Supreme Courts and so forth, acting on behalf of the Biden campaign, acting on behalf of the Democrat party, I think they think that that will further instigate and motivate actions taken against the Supreme Court and perhaps the judiciary. That's my view. It's a terrible, terrible state of affairs. A sad state of affairs. And they do this in one sentence. Because they can't justify what they did. What are they going to say? What are they going to say? The Commonwealth judge was exactly right. And she's the only one of all the judges who's had the guts to stand up. She would be a good Supreme Court justice because apparently Amy Coney Barrett wasn't able to. Our heroes on the bench weren't able to. So you're not going to find me, and I never have, defending lifetime appointments to the Supreme Court. What I opposed was efforts to change the number of justices on the court. But I've always supported, as I told you over and over when we were talking about my book, Men in Black, when we were talking about my book, The Liberty Amendments, for six months. 14-year limits on Supreme Court justices. You see, we get caught up in sometimes defending the indefensible. Chapter 4 of the Liberty Amendments, an amendment to establish term limits for Supreme Court justices and supermajority legislative override by Congress and the state legislatures. So I believe in term limits for Supreme Court justices. I do not believe in threatening the institution of the court by packing it. And I believe those threats have resonated in the hallways of the Supreme Court. Of course, they would deny, no, no, of course not. But if you're going to reject this emergency injunctive relief request at least have the intellectual integrity to explain it. To explain it. They don't explain it. They leave it to the legal analysts and the bloggers to try and figure it out. I'm just not sanguine that the Texas case is going to reach any better result as a result of the things I'm explaining to you. For the most part, and God do I pray I'm wrong, 
I think this court is hiding under the proverbial table. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting Promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. The other thing is, you would think that the court knows how significant a case like this is, that the American people deserve more than a one-sentence response. I understand it's nine justices of different ideological viewpoints, But you would think that the American people deserve a little bit more instead of legal analysts and commentators and so forth telling you what they think the justices meant. Why don't the justices just tell us? Now, that said, I'm hearing now that the petitioners are going to go for a full writ of certiorari here. Keep in mind the court could have treated it as that if it chose to. It did not. It did not. The court is taking the Texas case as it must, because now you have a a conflict among states. And I strongly support that litigation, because I think it's right on. It's the audience I'm concerned about, the justices. That's what I'm concerned about. This was a very, very powerful case, and it still is. And I think the petitioners are going to make one more run at it, I'm told. The Texas case is a very, very powerful case, and it overlaps some of the issues that were raised in the Pennsylvania case. We shall see. I'll be right back. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting 
promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. If you want to talk to Mark, we have two numbers for you to call. For regular Americans, call 877-381-3811. For liberals, call 877-381-3811. You know, one of the things that has kind of been stuck in the back of my head, that has been gnawing at me, is, and this isn't the president's responsibility, it's the campaign's responsibility, where were the lawyers two years ago, Mr. Producer, and a year ago when all this litigation was going on? All these changes were taking place. I mean, I, I understand some of it, some of them were out there. But it is, it is kind of odd to me. Very strange. One of the things we haven't figured out here You know, Republicans play by the rules. Republican-appointed judges play by the rules, or they lurch to the left. When Republican-appointed judges or justices follow the law or follow their constitution, federal or state, they're accused of being right-wingers and political, even though they're neither. This is another area where we've allowed the left to control the narrative. To control the narrative. Now, what the court has done here is institutionalize chaos and lawlessness. That's what it's done. Because now it is said, in effect, We'll allow you, by not acting, we will allow state legislatures to do whatever the hell they want. Plenary power now even means lawless power. And if a state Supreme Court goes rogue, we will reverse course from Bush versus Gore, and we're not going to get involved. Even though the impact reaches all the way into Congress on January 6th and the selection of electors. And as for the American people, we're going to leave them dumbfounded. We're going to leave all the analysts to analyze. We're going to leave all the writers to write. All the pontificators to pontificate. And all the bloggers to blog. You'll all have to read Nine Minds. Because we're not going to give you any indication on why we've done what we've done. None. None. So what the court has done so far in this case, it, is, it has, not technically legally, but effectively, and trust me when I tell you the majority on the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania feel this, it has, it has effectively supported what that court did, the rogue court, because not only did it intercede, 
It didn't even explain itself. And it has told future state legislatures, not just in Pennsylvania, that you are free to do whatever you want. That Article 2 means you can do whatever you want. And Article 2 means nothing when the word legislature is used because the state Supreme Court can do whatever it wants. We just don't want anything to do with this. We don't want to be attacked by Linda Greenhouse, the retired but still writing hack leftist in the New York Times that writes about the Supreme Court. We don't want to be attacked by her. We don't want to be brutalized in the editorial pages. We don't, and we don't want to be hurt if the election results are upheld and they take the Senate. We, we just, you know, we don't want to be damaged by any of this. But you are damaged by this. So they, when I'm hearing, and I could be wrong, is that the petitioners will go for the full writ of certiorari. I just don't want to give you false hope. You know, I go on a couple of these sites, my buddy over at uh, Right Scoop and a couple of the others. Mark's really putting it down. Mark's, Mark's not doing anything. My goal in life, my mission behind this microphone is to advocate for liberty in this republic. That's what I do. That's what I do. And if we have institutional problems, which is why I wrote a book called Men in Black and have a chapter in the Liberty Amendments about how to affect the, uh, the Supreme Court, then we need to talk about it. You have the Supreme Court of Wisconsin that threw out a tremendously important case by a four to three vote. The three dissenters said, let's take it up and said, no, start at the lowest level of the courts, trying to slow them down procedurally when they have a truly substantive case. You have a substantive case that was just filed in Georgia where they have pointed out tens of thousands of potentially fraudulent votes. Why did they do it so late? Because it takes time to match the voters with voting data and information about their ages, about whether they live in a particular state, whether they're alive. It takes time. And most of the courts that have been involved in these cases, the judges do not want to get involved. Period. It's just easier not to. And so we have a serious problem. And I'm not going to pretend otherwise. The case that... uh, is brought by Texas is a very, very good case, just like the case that was brought in Pennsylvania. And in fact, one of the scholars who had written me and others about this is a fellow by the name of Nate Lewin, who is a brilliant Supreme Court advocate in many respects. He's a wonderful man. It's an idea that he'd been circulating. And it gives you immediate jurisdiction in the Supreme Court because you have a conflict among the states. There is no lower court that can take that, federal or state. So the Supreme Court's taking it up. But what I'm trying to explain to you as a lawyer, that doesn't mean they're going to rule for Texas. It means they're taking it up. We shall see. I'm in favor of charging the hill. I really am. Because what's taken place is so corrupt. It's so corrupt. It's unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable to me 
that so many of us who speak out and so many who are involved in litigation who are trying to right these wrongs or trying to find out exactly what took place are being shot in the back. I feel sorry for them. Very serious people, very intelligent people. You don't agree with what all these lawyers say. I'm not talking about all the lawyers. You've got serious law firms involved, serious lawyers involved. You've got serious scholars involved. I heard our friend Geraldo on Fox declare that all scholars thought the Pennsylvania Supreme Court would fail. All scholars? And why would all scholars think it would fail? You know what the answer is out there? Because they don't want to get involved in court. They don't want to get involved in court. Is that a defensible position, ladies and gentlemen? You don't want to get involved? Then why are you on the Supreme Court? And so by not getting involved and issuing a one-sentence order, order and pending case, 40 minutes after the last brief was filed, what the Supreme Court said is, so be it. We do not care about what took place in Pennsylvania. We know what took place in Pennsylvania. It's been briefed over and over, and we've got amicus briefs. We've got all kinds of stuff here. We know what the legislature did. We know what the Supreme Court there did, undermining the circuit, the appellate court. We know all these things. But none of us moves us to do anything, despite the federal questions, despite the consequences. This will have precedential value. They may sit there and think it doesn't because they actually haven't written opinion, but it does. This is heard throughout the state courts. This is heard throughout the state legislatures. And you can mark my words tonight that this is going to have an impact down the road, a significant impact. And the failure of John Roberts and the others, and Kavanaugh, quite frankly, early on, to take up the Article 2 case, which I guess is still sitting there, about the Pennsylvania Supreme Court violating Article 2 and undermining the state legislature, just that, failing to take that up and address it, that could have really put this genie back in the bottle, was a disaster. Absolute disaster. You know what Texas and the other states joining Texas in suing these states is saying is, look, and I heard them say it today. All these things that have gone on in these states, unconstitutional and so forth, these electors shouldn't be certified. These electors in these other states shouldn't be certified. And this is my concern. That is an exactly appropriate argument. But if this court is too cowardly and feels too threatened to step in on one state... I just pray to God, but I don't think the result's going to be much different when they're suing five or six states. Time will tell. I want to urge them on. I want to urge them to fight. I want to urge them to require the United States Supreme Court to do something, even if it ducks. The case needs to be made. It needs to be made to the American people. 
that everything is in our own hands. You cannot count on these institutions any longer. We have to count on ourselves. We see what's taken place the last almost year. The fascistic conduct of governors and mayors. The destructive conduct against our kids by these teachers unions and their Democrat Party supporters. The same party, the same people that would destroy our immigration system, that would attack our cops, that would undermine our military, that would give voice to attacks on our history and our founding fathers. The idea that they wouldn't touch our election system is preposterous, and that's what they've done. Not a single justice had the guts to stand up. Not one. There's no dissent here. Not one. They stood together. They stood together. And we move on. The petitioners file their writ. The states sue the other states. And we hope in the course of a few days the majority on that court will gain its uh, Let's gain its perspective. We'll stand up. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit Levin for Hillsdale. Hillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. By the way, this vaccine, or these vaccines, I've been reading articles about this all day long. And the media either never mention Trump or they trash the man. This president deserves a ticker tape parade. He deserves a ticker tape parade. We've never seen anything like this. No nation, not this nation. The bureaucracy at the FDA, the bureaucracy on top of which Fauci sits and the NIH and HHS is massive. It's loaded with red tape. This president cut through all that without harming in any respect the health reviews and the safety reviews. And the reason why he has to talk about what his administration did is because he'll never get a fair shake. 
And I want to talk about this next hour, and I want to talk about how they're trying to set the stage, the media, the propaganda arm for bureaucrats and the Democrat Party. How they're trying to set the stage for if Joe Biden screws up, and he will. He's a screw-up from the day he was born. And the ideologues with whom he surrounds himself, most of whom have experienced nothing but being ideologues, that if they have problems, they're trying to lay the foundation that they're going to blame it on, quote-unquote, the ex-president Trump. That's what the New York Times and the Washington Post are up to right now. The extraordinary nature of what's been accomplished with this vaccine is just this president, this president, despite the naysayers in the media, despite the so-called experts, despite Fauci and the others, despite them saying it couldn't be done, you realize people are going to start being vaccinated within 10 months of this virus hitting our shores? Do you know the average time it takes to develop a vaccine? And I looked at this going way back. It's 10 years. Now, some have been done as soon as five years. Never 10 months. Never 10 months. So Donald Trump, his administration, Project Warp Speed, is going to save millions and millions of people in America and throughout the world. Not masks. Not finger cuts. No, the vaccines and the therapeutics. We had nothing 10 months ago. We didn't have enough masks. And Biden and Obama, they left us with no PPEs, shortages of beds, shortages of ventilators, and on and on and on. And they talk about Trump. Trump not only had to fill the gap, he had to fix what so many of these governors destroyed, like Cuomo and Murphy, Whitmer and Newsom, Pritzker and all. In many cases, they did exactly the opposite of what they should have done. I want to talk about this more generally when we return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Vaccines. Vaccines. Joe Biden has announced that when he becomes president, quote unquote, you know, he's now occupying the office of the president-elect in his basement, that they will distribute 100 million vaccinations in 100 days. Now, this 100-day thing is an FDR thing. So these Democrats always get up and they talk about, in 100 days, you know, we're going to do this out of the other. Let us be very clear, because the media are trying to rewrite this. It drives me nuts. There would be no vaccines but for Trump, Operation Warp Speed, and his administration. Period. He came under attack, even when I interviewed him in September, that he was going too fast, that he was cutting corners. 
You have the idiot governor of New York saying that he doesn't trust them. You have Fauci hedging his bets. You saw what was going on. You know, for all the attacks on Trump, he is quite the optimist about America. He's the optimist. He fights on and on and on, like with this election. Even when things seem so bleak and dark, he fights on. Win, lose, or draw. He's a fighter for this country. Because he loves its people. You can hear it when he speaks. You don't hear it from Biden. You hear platitudes. You hear the same things he said for the last half a century. Now, Joe Biden's been in government half a century. The Senate, vice president, he's been handed serious responsibilities. He's failed at every one of them. We should thank our lucky stars, as they say, that Trump was president during this pandemic, regardless of what Romney says, regardless of what all the backbenchers say, regardless of what the the hate America, hate Republicans, hate conservatives, hate Trump newspapers have to say. No, he's not responsible for all these deaths. No, he's not responsible, period. What he is responsible for is the steps he put in place and pushed, and his administration pushed to get therapeutics and a vaccine as soon as possible. Which will save millions of people. Not Joe Biden, not the Democrats, not the press, in spite of all of them. Let me ask you a question. Should Joe Biden become president? Let me ask you a question. God forbid, I always say. Well, now, every death that occurs be on him? Be his responsibility? You see, the left... whether it's Marxists, neo-Marxists, statists, progressives, whatever you want to call this, this inhumane ideology that pretends to be compassionate. They really are not big believers in life because they wouldn't support abortion on demand. They wouldn't support infanticide. They wouldn't have people like Ezekiel Emanuel going around talking about, you know, once you've hit 75 years old, you go to the back of the line. We don't really need to focus our medical and health care resources on you. This is inhumane. You respect your elders because of all the experience they have, how they've built your family, how they've built your country. You want to learn from them in so many ways. You don't dismiss them. They're our mothers and our fathers and our grandmothers and our grandfathers. What kind of people are these? So inhumane, and yet, oh, look how compassionate. Because they want to create a new program. Joe Biden would have no idea to do what Trump accomplished. None. He ought to be celebrated for what he's done, for how he's led this. Can you imagine if this happened on the watch of Barack Obama or any other Democrat? They'd be going on and on about how. They'd be writing books about how this was done instead of books attacking the man. That he brought a different kind of management style. That he wouldn't take no for an answer. That he wrestled the bureaucracy to the ground. That he embraced American capitalism. He embraced American in, in, uh, ingenuity and, and uh, initiative. No, instead it's, look at this here. You know, he won't let Biden share in the information. What's going on here? 
In part, here's the president today at the White House. And keep in mind, Pfizer and Moderna wouldn't show up. They said it could be a conflict of interest. No, it's not. These two lousy, lousy run companies, and I say that at the executive in the boardroom, that were given billions of dollars under this administration so they didn't have to use simply their own R&D and their own capital resources. They were protected. We thank the worker bees and the white jackets and the white coats who did what they did, but these executives held back until after the election to make their announcements. And now they don't go to the White House. How disgusting is that? Here's the president. Cut one. Go. We're here to discuss a monumental national achievement. From the instant the coronavirus invaded our shores, we raced into action to develop a safe and effective vaccine at breakneck speed. It would normally take five years, six years, seven years, or even more. In order to achieve this goal, we harnessed the full power of government, the genius of American scientists, and the might of American industry to save millions and millions of lives all over the world. We're just days away from authorization from the FDA, and we're pushing them hard, at which point we will immediately begin mass distribution. Before Operation Warp Speed, the typical time frame for development and approval, as you know, uh, could be infinity. And we were very, very happy that uh, we were able to get things done at a level that nobody has ever seen before. The gold standard vaccine has been done in less than nine months. On behalf of the entire nation, I want to thank everyone here today who has been involved in this extraordinary American initiative. Mm -hmm. And we want to thank Nancy Pelosi for all she did. Oh, she didn't do anything. We want to thank Joe Biden for all he did and making sure we were ready for the next pandemic. No, he didn't do anything. Schumer, nothing. The media, disgraceful. Disgusting. Let's listen to Zeke Miller. Now, you've heard how the Praetorian Guard media treat Joe Biden. You've heard how they treat him. They, 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 they slobber all over the guy. They can barely contain their affection. I want you to hear Zeke Miller at the Associated Press at this event. Cut to go. Some of these scientific officials here in this room have encouraged Americans not to travel this holiday season, not to go to large gatherings. Across the street, you've been holding holiday parties with hundreds of people, many not wearing masks. Why are you modeling a different behavior to the American people than what your scientists tell Well, they're Christmas parties, and uh, frankly, we've reduced the number very substantially, as you know. And I see a lot of people at the parties wearing masks. Let let me me just stop. I'm not seeing people not wearing masks, as a matter of fact. I'm seeing them almost all wear masks. Go ahead. I would say that uh, I look out at the audience at those parties, and we have a lot of people wearing masks, and I think that's a good thing. So this guy's just, you know, he's the turd in the swimming pool. But nobody beats uh, Peter Alexander. Nobody beats Peter, Mr. Producer. I would say Peter's a jerk, wouldn't you, Mr. Producer? Oh, yeah. Peter. Here's Peter. 
uh, at the White House today. He, uh, who's he work for again? The New York Slimes, I think, or NBC. What's the difference? Cut three, go. The next administration will be the one ultimately that implements a lot of the distribution of this vaccine and will oversee much of the future of the way Operation Warp Speed. All right, so here you go. See what I mean? You see, Biden's the one that's going to make sure this, if this thing works or not, gets it to the American people. Why are you handicapping him? Why are you hobbling him? And so, listen to me. Mark my words right now. I'm not into the prediction business, but I see this one coming a long way off. It's coming. That all the screw-ups that you're going to see in Biden in the distribution and the production of vaccines, they're going to blame on Trump because, God forbid, if he's in there, Trump won't be the president at that point, right? And then they're going to be attacking Trump. That's what they're setting this up to be. I saw it in the New York Slimes today. It's unbelievable. Just remember, they cannot allow Biden to fail. Why? If you look at Biden's selection so far, should he become president, it is the most radical government in American history, more radical than Obama. And he's also setting it up for Kamala Harris. So there is no way the media, which comes out of the same ideological genre, which is tilted heavily toward the Democrat Party, there is no way they're going to undermine what they see as the next Franklin Roosevelt or at least the next New Deal. No way. And you notice when these so-called cabinet picks are announced, you notice how they're not doing any backgrounds on any of them. You know that, Mr. Producer? Have you noticed that? They're all clean. They all have a clean slate. They're not looking at their social media. They're not looking at what their allegations have been in the past, if they've been investigated in the past. You know, like dummy Mitt Romney. They're not going back to see if in the college days he uh, cut somebody's hair or did something with a dog. No, 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 no. None of them have any background except exceptional backgrounds. Go ahead. Why not include members of the Biden transition team as part of this summit that you're hosting today? Well, we're gonna First have to... of all, let's stop. What can members of the Biden transition team contribute? You have the bureaucrats in on this who will still be around, like Fauci, you know, during the next ice age. They're still going to be there. The generals will still be there to distribute it and so forth. All these things will be there. The companies will still be there. My question to Peter Alexander is, why are you an advocate for Biden? Why didn't you even say anything positive about what the president has accomplished here? How come? This is, you know, when the history books are written, this is going to be chapter one. What took place here? Go ahead. Next administration is because... Uh, we won in those swing states, and uh, there was uh, terrible things that went on. So we're going to have to see who the next administration is. But whichever the next administration is, will Let really me just say better. this also, as he says that. I, I, I got to thinking here. Whatever the courts do, it doesn't chase the, change the facts on the ground. What was done in Pennsylvania was an abomination. What was done in Georgia, let me tell you what was done in Georgia and how the media are lying to you. The Secretary of State of Georgia is a coward and he's a typical establishment Republican. 
because nobody in the past has paid attention to these jobs. So he and the state are sued by Stacey Abrams, and they're making all kinds of demands. And he sits down with her, and he cuts a deal with her. It's called a consent decree. And the deal is that they're going to significantly weaken the signature requirement. They're going to change it. So in that sense, it becomes no requirement at all. He didn't have the power to do that. Again, Article 2. Apparently, to the United States Supreme Court, Article 2 means nothing. Nothing. He didn't have the power to do that. It's left to the state legislature in Article 2. Why did the framers put the word legislature in there? I would ask this to the geniuses on the Supreme Court, every damn one of them. Every damn one of them. These justices, when they show up now at the Federalist Society, there's other places, they shouldn't be treated as icons, because they're not. Because when their nation needed them the most, they went AWOL. AWOL. Nobody's asking them to get into politics. We're asking them to uphold the Constitution. Now, Go ahead. We've been able to do with this incredible science, uh, the doctors, all of the people that came up, the lab technicians, the work, the work that's been done. This was an event about what's happening, about the vaccine that's about to be distributed and actually used, saving millions and millions of lives, cutting edge science, uh, something that's never been done in American history, modern American history. And it's dumping on, on uh, Trump. They're dumping on Trump. They're dumping on Trump. Go ahead. And it will be incredible for the next administration. And hopefully the next administration will be the Trump administration. Because you can't steal hundreds of thousands of votes. You can't have fraud and deception and all of the things that they did. And then slightly win a swing state. And you just have to look at the numbers, look at what's been on tape, look at all the corruption, and we'll see. You can't win an election like that. So hopefully the next administration uh, will be the Trump administration, a continuation, which has led us to the highest stock markets we've ever had, the best employment numbers we've ever had, a rebuilt military. Uh, okay. If you look now, at- now, at the same time when the president is having his event, Joe Biden decides to have a press conference. Here's what he says. Cut five, go. My first hundred days is going to require... Okay, so there we are. He's going to be doing a lot the first hundred days. hundred million vaccines will be handed out, none of which he produced. He's about to say, we're going to require first hundred days of my administration that you're going to wear a mask. That'll go all the way up to the Supreme Court. I'm sure the Supreme Court won't have any problem with it, even though that has no constitutional basis at all. Sure, we can get involved in this one. Why not? Sure, why not? Well, we'll go to this one. We won't be attacked for that. Except by the right-wing coup constitutionalists. Says we'll do it in federal buildings, interstate travel on planes, trains, and buses. And what if you're not wearing a mask, ladies and gentlemen? What are they going to do? Throw you in jail? They're going to make room in jail by letting out criminals? Antifa, Black Lives Matter rioters, and all the rest? They're going to throw you in jail for not wearing a mask? While they're letting actual prisoners out because of the uh, coronavirus? I think things are a little screwed up. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Listen to Joe Biden here. While the president is talking about the vaccine that he and his administration spent so much money, time, and effort to to acquire, to create, to develop. Cut seven, go. This team, this team will help get at the latest, at the last 100 million COVID-19 vaccine, at least 100 million COVID vaccine shots into the arms of the American people in the first 100 days. A hundred million shots in the first hundred days. And we'll follow the guidance of science to get the vaccines to those most at risk. Shut up, you idiot. You disgust me. You've always disgusted me. You really have. You wear slime balls as senator, slime balls as uh, vice president and as a, as a candidate. And you're, uh, and you're fools that you surround yourself with. You can't even complete the sentences that they put in your mouth. Listen to this idiot. I'll be right back. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Wait a minute, where's, don't I have a special song in honor of Joe Biden? Don't I? Where's my special Christmas song in honor of Joe Biden? Here we go. Nice and loud. Raise your volume, ladies and gentlemen. The classic. Lacy things the wife is missing. Didn't ask for her permission. I'm wearing her clothes, her silk panty. For Joe Biden. Walking round in women's underwear In the store there's a teddy With little straps like spaghetti It holds me so tight Like handcuffs at night Walking round in women's underwear So I hear In the office there's a guy named Melvin He pretends that I am Murphy Brown Say, are you ready? We'll say, whoa, man. Let's wait until the wife is out of town. Hit it. Later on, if you wanna, we can dress like Madonna. Put on some ice shade and join the parade. Walking around in 
something wrong with that, right? Right, Democrat? Right, media? Nothing wrong with that. Wearing her clothes, silk pantyhose, walking around in The perverse becomes commonplace. Did you ever think you'd see the day when little boys can use little girls' rooms and little girls can use little boys' rooms? Did you ever think you'd see the day that that was mandated in our schools? Did you ever think you'd see the day when kids who are 8, 9, 10 years old, in some cases even younger, where courts order that they have a right to transition, Where little boys can become little girls and little girls can become little boys? Did you ever think you'd see that day? And they would have constitutional protections and civil liberties in order to pursue those kinds of surgeries? Did you ever think you'd see the day where our courts would uphold guys transitioning to women, but nonetheless guys participating in girl sports, wrestling and track, In which cases, of course, the guys who are transitioning into girls win. Is that fair? Our culture has been so poisoned. The rule of law has been so degraded. And this is a a trajectory that we cannot continue. We've talked about this. Today's what Tuesday? Was it yesterday or Friday, Mr. Producer? The days are coming together with me where I talked about America because of the left, because they control the instrumentalities of government in so many respects is beginning its decline, and that's why we're fighting it. I think I talked about it Friday, didn't I? It's eating from within. We have this fifth column. And the cancer from the fifth column is spreading. It's spreading into all of our institutions. It's spreading into the United States Supreme Court. It's spreading into state legislatures and our voting system. It's appalling. And you really do get to see who the serious patriots are and who the others are. The people who seek a role in public life, the people who seek a role in public discussion. And they have a special role. There are 320 million people in there. There's only nine Supreme Court justices. But I'm not just talking about justices, people on television, people behind microphones, people who work at at websites created by the greats like, like Bill Buckley and others. They have an opportunity. They have a responsibility. And you get to really see who's what and who's who. At moments like this when we really need to battle on so many fronts at the same time. It's one thing to discuss liberty in the abstract. It's one thing to be theoretical about what's taking place. But when you need to truly embrace and advance your principles in the face of tyranny, that's what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls. That's what separates the patriots from everybody else. The patriots always come under attack. Until history's written. Until history's written. That's the truth. You know, you'll learn about how devastating home title theft is 
if you don't protect yourself from it. I hope it never happens to you because it can ruin you financially. Now here's how the crime happens. The legal titles to our homes are kept online where they can be hacked. A cyber thief finds your home's title, forges your signature on a quick claim deed, stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home until your equity is gone. You won't know until the collection calls pour in. You're not protected by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock protects you. And in the unlikely event you become a victim of title theft, while a member, Home Title Lock will spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees to help restore your home's title. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim. Use code RADIO, and you'll also get 30 free days of protection. That's HomeTitleLock.com, code RADIO. HomeTitleLock.com, code RADIO. All right. Let me be fair and take a couple of callers here. Why not? Let's see. Let us go to... Trent, Atlanta, Georgia, the great XM satellite. Trent, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Uh, God has given you an incredible mind and ability to articulate what's in it, and I so appreciate your program. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I've just gotten on, so well, good. I've just gotten on, so I don't know if you've addressed it, but I'm sure you probably have. I'm curious to know your thoughts about the Supreme Court justice's decision today now, Mr. Ben- and how Mr. Call Screener I just spent an hour and a half talking about this the upcoming Senate alright thanks for your call folks he's a very nice man but it's really not his fault I just spent an hour talking about that case I think he didn't mention it see it's so I've got millions of listeners have already heard it so I can't do a radio show for an individual you know it's a funny thing I'll get a call from friends or family like an hour before the show. And they'll say, hey, what do you think about blah, blah, blah. I'm go- I can't do a radio show before the radio show. Just listen in. Or I'll get a text from a friend. Hey, what do you think about the decision? Like I can text 30 minutes worth of thinking, which I can barely text to begin with. Just listen to the show. I tell you everything I think, whether it's family, friends, acquaintances. Or my radio family. That's got to rob New Orleans, Louisiana on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark. Um, I'm just absolutely furious about what's going on. And uh, these these justices in the Supreme Court, they spoke volumes. They spoke loud and clear that they and their omnipotence decided that voter fraud is unimportant. Or should I say... Democrat election theft is unimportant, and, and I'm just furious. I mean, I'm I don't seeing... blame you. And I've had people say to me that this court just said that if you want to break the law and break the Constitution, not so much fraud yet, uh, but it's worse than that. If you want to institutionalize this sort of stuff, it's okay with them. They didn't even respect the American people enough because they know people were poised to listen and see what they were going to do. They didn't even respect the American people enough to explain themselves. They don't even have the capacity as nine human beings, nine lawyers, 
to explain themselves to the nation. That's how, quite frankly, arrogant and cowardice this was. Now, people might say, you're a poor loser. Not a poor loser. I'm not a poor loser. I want this to be done right. My mission is always the same. It's not about me being a loser. It's about tens of millions of people wanting answers and not getting them. It's about tens of millions of people who are disgusted with what the Democrats and the left have done to our country. It's about tens of millions of people who play by the rules, and then they see these politicians and these frauds and black robes at the state Supreme Court level who do not. And we talk about the niceties of litigation while the country's going to hell. And if you want to be a justice on the United States Supreme Court, then by God, act like one. So I stand with you, sir. They would not even risk their personal lives for this republic when we have young men and women going to battle risking their actual lives. They wouldn't even risk their personal lives. We have a chief justice who doesn't even believe in religious liberty. A chief justice, a Republican. We have a chief justice who doesn't believe in language in the Supreme, in the, in the federal constitution that says state legislatures. We have a chief justice who doesn't believe that the state legislatures, when conducting themselves under the federal constitution, should follow the law. But he's not alone. He's not alone. You can understand why the president's so frustrated. Because 74 million of us, or some large percentage of 74 million, are disgusted. You got a case in Georgia, a real serious case filed the other day. Why so late? Because it takes time to get the evidence. Over 100,000 examples of people voting who don't live at the address. People voting more than once, people voting who moved out of state, people voting who are under the age of voting, people voting who are dead. Over 100,000 examples. Now that can change the outcome, and then we're told, well, that's only Georgia, that's not enough. Well, we have Pennsylvania. Well, we don't want to hear that case. They don't want to hear cases. They don't want to count uh, fraudulent ballots. Well, then how the hell do you ever get to the bottom of anything? The answer is you don't. You don't. Thank you for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Now, it's true, as people keep telling me, that uh, this isn't necessarily the end of the Pennsylvania case, that they can now seek a, um, a full hearing on the merits. And I assume they're going to go back and do exactly that. And, uh, and so we shall see. We shall see if that's granted, and we shall see if that changes anything. Look, I, my view is you keep fighting. Don't worry about the loud mouths and the pundits. Because for the rest of their lives, they're going to be loudmouth and pundits who accomplish absolutely nothing. And when their day on earth ends, as they do for all of us, that's what they're going to be remembered as, loudmouth and pundits. 
It's the activists. It's the patriots. It's the advocates. They're the ones that matter. They're the ones that matter. Omaha Steaks. I want to tell you about Omaha Steaks. I love Omaha Steaks. And I want you to try them. I really want you to try them. Ah, I can go to the store, get it. No, no. Try these steaks. There's a reason why they've been around this company since 1917. If people didn't love what they have to offer, they wouldn't be here anymore. Does this holiday season feel like it's been a long time coming? Make it worth the wait. Send the perfect gift. Send yourself something special. Bring families together. Send it as a gift for a delicious Omaha steak holiday feast. Right now, you can get the Deluxe Grillers Assortment. Now listen, it includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. It comes beautifully packed. It's all secure and fresh, including the Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons. Now these beauties are perfectly aged, hand-carved, and famously fork tender. Plus, when you order this mouth-watering package, you'll get four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. You know these burgers and these steaks are outstanding and tender. When you eat them like I do, well done. Most people don't, but when you do, and they're still unbelievably tender, that tells you everything you need to know. So go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code LEVIN, omahasteaks.com, enter code L-E-V-I-N, Put that in the search bar to order today. That way you'll get the exclusive offer, and it's exclusive only to my listeners, a 50% discount. Omaha Steaks isn't just steak. It's a fantastic gift to share the joy of the season. So don't forget, when you order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment, you'll get four free Omaha Steaks burgers and a free digital meat thermometer with my code LEVIN. L-E-V-I-N. This is a deal you won't find anywhere else. You know, the life of a naysayer must be really a good life. These people can sleep at night because really nothing matters to them except their own conceit. They just want to be able to say, I predicted and reference themselves. You know, Many, many years ago, when I uh, went on this show on MSNBC, before MSNBC went full uh, Lennon, I was on this show with John Gibson, who was a great anchor. I don't know what happened to John these days. Is he still on radio? I don't know, honestly. But he was terrific, is terrific. He was on this show, and guess who I was debating over the independent council stand? This is years, this has to be 98, over 20 years ago. Alan Dershowitz. You believe that, Mr. Producer? We were debating it. Unfortunately, I knew more than he did, and of course, that ruffled his feathers. And then he started quoting himself, one of his books. And I say this as a a friendly, jovial statement, because I've come to respect this man. So, he's quoting himself, he's quoting his book, and I said, you know, Professor... I probably shouldn't have started down this road. You know, Professor, that takes quite an ego to quote yourself. I'll quote the founders. You can quote yourself. You'll notice the egomaniacs with the blogs or the articles on different websites. They say, as I said last week, and as I said this, and then they they actually have a link to themselves, to what they wrote the day before, the week before. Now, they'll never... 
they'll never do the same thing when they're wrong. Like what you heard in the, uh, in the gastritis sort of blog sphere on this case was latches. You know, that was a good argument, latches. Well, latches was never relevant. It didn't even come up in a significant way. Not in a significant way. So what I was saying earlier was this. The petitioners in this case in Pennsylvania, like the petitioners now in the Texas case, are right. They are right. And no court can make them wrong. No handful of lawyers with black robes can make them wrong. They are factually, historically, constitutionally correct. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There's a big story in Axios, and I have it in the, list, in the pile here, which is really quite remarkable. We've talked about communist China on this program repeatedly. We've talked about it on Levin TV and on my Fox show. We've had some of the nation's top ex- experts, General Jack Keane, others, Pillsbury, others, right, Rich? We've had uh, Tom Cotton on, Gordon Chang. We've gone through what they're doing at great length. And I've talked in this program that we're really fighting a two-front war, as I keep saying. The war at home to defend our principles, our republic, from the fifth column. And this war, I guess you would call it a cold war with China. Some have said, don't worry about Iran and all the rest, it's China. Well, we have to worry about Iran too. But China's a big enemy. It is the biggest. China's on the ascendancy. And we're being destroyed from within. The piece in Axios is really quite remarkable. Axios is a liberal site, but I have to give them credit on this. Now, exclusive, suspected Chinese spy targeted California politicians. What she targeted was Democrats. Democrats who we keep trying to destroy Donald Trump by saying he was colluding with Russians, while some of them were colluding with China. Eric Swalwell. And the article begins like this, and they they deserve a great deal of credit. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian, Zach 
Dorfman of the Aspen Institute, among others. A suspected Chinese intelligence operative developed extensive ties with local and national politicians, including a U.S. congressman, this would be uh, Swalwell, in what U.S. officials believe was a political intelligence operation run by China's main civilian spy agency between 2011 and 2015, Axios found in a year-long investigation. The alleged operation offers a rare window into how Beijing has tried to gain access to and influence U.S. political circles. And as I read this, I want you to understand that the top advisors, should Biden, God forbid, become president, the top advisors to Biden are all Red China appeasers. All of them. Every single one of them. And as I discussed at great length on Friday, you can check it out if you care. Is that a best of show, Mr. Producer, I hope? I think so. As I discussed Friday, this is exactly the wrong time to have a Biden presidency and a Biden administration. The next four years, the next eight years will be determinative. While this suspected operative's activities appear to have ended during the Obama administration, concerns about Beijing's influence, the Obama administration, 2015, that's kind of well into the Obama administration, the Beijing's influence operations have spanned President Trump's time in office and will continue to be a, a core focus for U.S. counterintelligence during the Biden administration. Some would argue they already own the top guy, Biden himself, and his family members. The woman at the center of the operation, a Chinese national named Fang Fang, or Christine Fang, as she would come to be known, targeted up-and-coming local politicians in the Bay Area and across the country who had the potential to make it big on the national stage. Through campaign fundraising, extensive networking, personal charisma, and romantic or sexual relations, with at least two Midwestern mayors, Fong was able to gain proximity to political power, according to current and former U.S. intelligence officials and one former elected official. Even though U.S. officials don't believe she received or passed on classified information, the case, quote, was a big deal because there were some really, really sensitive people that were caught up in the intelligence network, current senior U.S. intelligence officials said. Isn't this story like uh, two, hours, uh, two years too late, Mr. Bedosa? I guess they were too busy with the phony Russia collusion stuff. Private but unclassified information about government officials such as their habits, preferences, schedules, social networks, even rumors about them, is a form of political intelligence. Collecting such information is a key part of what foreign intelligence agencies do. Among the most significant targets of Fong's efforts was Representative Eric Swalwell. This guy is like one of the sleaziest of the bunch, isn't he? Yes, Eric Swalwell. Swalwell. Fong took part in fundraising activity for Swalwell's 2014 re-election campaign, according to a Bay Area political operative and a current U.S. intelligence official. Swalwell's office was directly aware of these activities on its behalf, the political operative said. That same political operative who witnessed Fong frustrating on Swalwell's behalf, fundraising I should say, found no evidence of illegal contributions. It's not the point, of course. 
A statement from Swalwell's office provided to Axios said, Swalwell long ago provided information about this person whom he met more than eight years ago and whom he hasn't seen in nearly six to the FBI. When you read between the lines, there's a suggestion they may have had an affair. I'm not accusing him of that. He's welcome to come on the program and come clean and tell us exactly what happened. But I want you to think about this. We have this case and this article. We will link to it on the archives page of the MarkLevinShow.com website. You have Swalwell. You have Dianne Feinstein, whose driver for 20 years was a communist Chinese spy. You have Hunter Biden, who clearly was on Communist China's payroll, if you will, by getting a sweetheart deal for tens of millions of dollars. And you have Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who has touted his relationship with Xi, who has said over and over again, China's not to be feared, and who was making deals with China's vice president and in the Obama administration, which undermined the American workforce to the benefit of the Chinese. His family has profited mightily from foreign governments through these foreign corporations. And that that didn't stop him from getting the nomination of his party for president of the United States, did it? Amid a widening counterintelligence probe, Federal investigators became so alarmed by Fong's behavior and activities that around 2015 they alerted Swalwell to their concerns, giving him what is known as a defensive briefing. I wonder if they told him that, uh, you know, urinating and so forth. I don't know. Swalwell immediately cut off all ties to Fong, according to a current U.S. intelligence official, and he has not been accused of any wrongdoing. Would your wife think it's wrongdoing, Mr. Producer? I think my wife might think that's wrongdoing. Let me ask you another question, America. If Donald Trump had this kind of relationship with a spy from Russia, would there be repeated statements in an article saying he didn't do anything wrong, there was no problem, there was no this? No, Swalwell and his slimeball ilk would be among the first to demand hearings, depositions, photos, DNA, and everything else. Fong left the country unexpectedly in mid-2015 amid the investigation. She didn't respond to multiple attempts by Axios to reach her by email on Facebook. Oh, really? The case demonstrates China's strategy of cultivating relationships that may take years or even decades to bear fruit. The Chinese Communist Party knows that today's mayors and city council members are tomorrow's governors and members of Congress. In the years since Fang probe, the probe, the FBI has prioritized investigations of the Chinese influence operations, creating a unit in May 2019. You know what's fascinating about this? Axios sat on this. Or these intelligence agencies sat on this. During the course of this election, when the hapless, barely breathing FBI director, Christopher Wray, did point out reluctantly that the Communist Chinese wanted Biden to win. The Communist Chinese today, Xi, has talked about a new reset button with America should Biden become president of the United States. They can't believe their luck from their perspective. They can't believe it. 
They're going, can you believe this old fool who didn't campaign, who can't put words together, who will sell out his country at a moment's notice, who couldn't make a rational foreign policy decision if his life depended on it, that he, God forbid, is president of the United States? Can you imagine what she... And, and, the, and the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, do you understand the Biden camp today has said they are going to reinstitute the Iran deal? Are you kidding me? Who's the one kissing the ass of dictators now, ladies and gentlemen? The Iranians didn't want Trump. The Chinese didn't want Trump. The Castro regime didn't want Trump. Putin didn't want Trump. Never wanted Trump. The dictators, the genocidal communist regimes, they want Biden. They want to see John Kerry's long, stupid face again. They think they're in, in such luck, it's unbelievable. Well, they don't know our Supreme Court, do they? I'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. I'm getting uh, texts and emails from a lot of people thanking me for calling out the Supreme Court. I'm just telling you what I think after all these decades of experience. Have I ever told the story when I was an intern at the Supreme Court, Mr. Producer? I was in law school. I think I was in my first year. And a gentleman by the name of Mark Cannon, a very nice man, was the administrative assistant at the court at the time. So this is 42 years ago. And uh, I was 20, 19 or 20. I went to law school early. And uh, they never had administrative assistant before. And so uh, I filed an application. What did I know? And Dr. Cannon chose me to be an intern. And he worked for the Chief Justice of the United States, who was Warren Berger. And the law clerk at the time was a gentleman by the name of Mike Ludig. And Mike Ludig would actually be a law clerk to the Chief Justice two years in a row. Very unusual, but they were like father and son. They were very, very close. And I became very, very close to Mike Ludig, who I had hoped would be on the Supreme Court one day. 
God knows he would have been better than John Roberts. Or most, actually. And I was only there about 10 weeks. And um, the Chief Justice was really focused on and was giving speeches about legal education and how it is very abstract and that when young lawyers go into courtrooms, they don't know how to argue cases, they don't know how to present them, they don't know how to prepare for them, and he was blaming, improperly so, law schools for it. And here I am an intern, and I'm assisting him with his research. People have said he was gruff and so forth. He couldn't have been nicer to me. I remember cases coming to the court involving school busing, Mr. Producer. Little did I know on the other side of the Capitol, there was Joe Biden. Joe Biden. I'm trying to remember the year this was. I don't remember. 77, something like that? Yeah, 1977. And there was Joe Biden on the side of the segregationists. I'm not saying I supported school busing for the purposes that the judges were imposing in cities like Kansas City and so forth. I'm saying the arguments Joe Biden used were racist arguments. And he was protected by the media up and down. I remember those days. There were a couple of big decisions coming out. I forget all the details. It's been a while and I haven't gone back and looked. And I was free, and I did, to walk around the Supreme Court. I'd walk into the library. It's a really magnificent library. I, once I bumped into Harry Blackman. I always saw Harry Blackman in the library. Honestly, I think he was there because he was not the brightest of the justices, if you know what I mean. Rehnquist, they would tell me, was the smartest And uh, Blackman was the least smartest. Let me put it that way. At least that's that's what we would say, talk. I would talk to the various clerks and so forth. Very fascinating. And I could see where these justices would get together over the course of a few days. They're cloistered in a very cloistered environment. There's only nine of them. covering their own asses. I can see it. They did a grave disservice to the country today. Sam Alito did. The others did too. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. I have allegiance to my country first. Friendships and associations are what they are. You got to be loyal to the rule of law and you got to be loyal to the Constitution. Way too much political scheming and thinking taking place. Way too much. In matter of fact cases, it's almost a matter of fact case. Wherever the chips fall, the chips fall. Wherever the chips fall, the chips fall. You want to be a Supreme Court justice? Then act like a Supreme Court justice and uphold the damn law. When you see a rogue state court like the Pennsylvania court, 
Don't turn the other cheek. Deal with it. And of course, there's a federal question. The whole point of all this was to affect how electors are chosen. It's really shameful. And they try and make the president sound like a fool when the president makes more sense than any Supreme Court justice, any legal analyst, and any of his critics. No question about it. I want to thank the lawyers who keep fighting, who keep being mocked and attacked by the spitballers and the, and the bleachers. Don't worry about them. The spitballers and the bleachers won't even be a footnote to a footnote in history. They're irrelevant. Keep at it, Texas. And I hope the folks who, who brought the petition, Mike Kelly and Sean Parnell and the other six, I just heard them say that they're not done. They're going back with a writ, which is what they should do. Force the point. Fight the principle. Do whatever you need to do and do whatever is good. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. On Radio Free America, here we be. This election in Georgia, we're heard all throughout Georgia. We're heard on our affiliates. We're heard on satellite radio. We're heard on the podcast. Many of you listen to us on our app, our live streaming I know sometimes it seems glum, but you got to turn out in big numbers, Georgia, as big as you possibly can. You've got to do exactly the same thing you did before, because I don't think the Democrats, I think you can slip past them. I don't think they're going to do as much as they did before, but they're trying. They're trying. You can't rely on the United States Supreme Court. It won't do its job. In fact, most of these courts won't do their job. Doesn't mean we keep fighting, that we don't keep fighting. We do. We do and we will. But it's really, again, it's up to us. And keep something in mind. We won a lot of Senate races this time around. We won a lot of Senate races. Now we need to win two more, at least one more, but preferably two more. Because I want you to think it this way. If they win the two... Georgia seats, those are not just two Democrats. Those are two nutjobs. 
I mean real freaks. They are way out in left field. Left, left field. They're Bernie Sanders acolytes. That's what they are. That's number one. Number two, I want you to think about this. It'll be a 50-50 Senate, and the tiebreaker will be, if she's vice president, Kamala Harris. So by 51-50, and in the House, they have one of the smallest majorities in God knows how long, by the tiniest of tiny majorities in the House and the Senate, and in my view, ready America? Ready left wing? China's puppet in the Oval Office, if that should happen. They're going to change this country. And this is what they do. And they want to make sure next time, it's never this close. And so they're going to they're going to destroy the Senate, add four additional senators, violate the Constitution there, because the District of Columbia doesn't get any senators, not unless you amend the Constitution. But they won't care. Eliminate the filibuster rule so they can destroy your income, destroy your wealth, destroy your home, and do whatever the hell they want to. In your name, of course. And then these people on the Supreme Court don't understand that they're definitely the target. Now, they understand to the extent that, they, that they're ducking their responsibilities, including this Pennsylvania case. I want to read to you what the court said in response to all the filings that were presented to the court. All the filings. Order and pending case. The application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Alito and by him referred to the court as denied. Eighteen words. Eighteen, that was it. They don't explain themselves to the American people. And they have no intention, because that case was so cut and dry. Not a single, listen to me, not a single effort by a single justice to say, wait a minute, I dissent. Not one of them. Not one. This isn't the place for the Supreme Court to interfere in an election like this. There's no federal question. So ridiculous. So absurd, so cowardly. But you know who's not absurd and cowardly? The petitioners, because they're coming back. And they'll try it again through a writ of certiorari. And you know why they're going to do that? Because they're patriots. That's why. And in Texas, joined by other states, I see Louisiana, I think Florida, I hope Florida and others. You know what they're saying? Wait a minute. This electoral college system has been bastardized by these other states. And the Supreme Court has unleashed all of this. It's unleashed all of this. All it had to say is, number one, the states must abide by Article 2. Now what would that mean? State courts, state governors, state secretaries of state, state election boards and all the rest of them. They don't get to make election law. They don't get to change election law. Period. The word legislatures is in the Constitution. I don't think that means governor. I don't think that means Supreme Court. That's number one. And then number two, the court could say, and should have, 
And when you're exercising your federal authority for the purpose of choosing electors who in turn go to the Congress in their numbers, they're counted, and then Congress in turn selects the president and the vice president. You've got to comply with your state constitutional law. Otherwise, you poison the whole process. Is that really so hard for the Supreme Court to say? And is it really so hard for the states to comply? They used to do it for hundreds of years. They had no problem. They complied. But now we have these so-called democratic socialists who spit on the Constitution and the rule of law. And what the Supreme Court did today in one sentence, where it doesn't explain anything to you and me, as if we're just sitting here as observers and we have nothing to do with any of this, was a disgrace. They don't even tell us what they did. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they put out an order. But why? They don't tell us. These are smart people on the Supreme Court. They know how to speak. They know how to write. Sam Alito did a whole video for the Federalist Society. Doesn't America deserve a little bit more when they're issuing an order like this? The great Clarence Thomas wrote an entire book. Don't we deserve a little bit more when they issue an order like this? I think so. Gorsuch wrote a book. He was on TV, he was promoting it, sent me a copy, signed it. Well, if they can write books and they can give speeches and all the rest of it, can't they tell us why they did this? Apparently not. John Roberts, when he worked in the Reagan administration of the Justice Department, he couldn't shut the hell up. He couldn't stop writing. He's writing memo after memo after memo. They're pretty damn good. He actually sounded like a conservative constitutionalist. Where's he today? He votes to shred the Bill of Rights. Hollywood John leaks like a sieve. They all want to be liked by the New York Times, the editorial pages. It's just easier that way. Why get involved in an election? Nobody's asking you to get involved in an election. These parts of the federal constitution and this whole process only triggers because of an election. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we don't directly elect a president and a vice president. We have to go through our states, and then our states have to go through the Congress. So when the states cheat and break the law, and then that goes to Congress, then Congress cheats and breaks the law when they embrace the electors. I would ask the justices, who interprets the Constitution of the United States since Marshall? Who interprets it? You guys and gals, you're grabbing judicial review left and right on matters where you don't even have judicial review in many instances. Here you clearly do, as you did in 2000 in Bush versus Gore, but they were led by a serious man back then. William Rehnquist. And so the violations of law, constitutional law, by the state legislature of Pennsylvania, as of tonight, stands. The repeated violations of the federal constitution and the state constitution by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court stands. The violations by the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania 
where she made last-minute changes to the law and to the rules to assist her party, also in violation of the federal constitution, stands. It all stands. Because the application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Alito and by his and and uh, and by his uh, let's see here and by him referred to the court is denied. Wow, compelling, compelling. The whole country lost. And so now we now we watch another case that's winding its way with filings to the Supreme Court and. And this case will be filed as a, as a request for a writ of certiorari. And we'll see what the Supreme Court does then. I think they're scared. I think they think some of them are standing on principle. There's no principle here. This is unprincipled from top to bottom. And I'm disgusted with it. I'm absolutely fed up. I'm fed up with those who violate the rule of law, and I'm fed up with those who won't stop it. I'm disgusted with it. One day, Donald Trump will be gone. There'll be other elections. And let me tell you a little dirty secret. All these violations of the Constitution, all these violations of law, will still be in place in 2022 and 2024, and they'll be the baseline from which the Democrats continue to destroy this republic. It'll be the baseline. We saw what they did in California. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stephen, Alphonse, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. You have a question, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir, Mark. Um, yes, yes. I've been going through all this with the Constitution, and mm-hmm. I've written to my legislator, and uh, I never get an answer. But 
they have all violated their oath of office, which apparently means nothing, although that to me is high crimes and misdemeanours. And looking through the Pennsylvania Constitution, I found in Article 1, subsection 25, it's called Reservation of Powers in the People, and that is to guard against the transgressions of high powers. I'm not sure what if if that gives me a, an ability to take action civilly against these people. No, 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 no. You can't sue the Supreme Court. There's not a single case where you can sue the Supreme Court in our whole history. Well, not the Supreme Court. I'm talking about Pennsylvania. Well, why but, do you um, think that case would be stronger than one that's brought by people who, who whose due process was deprived them? It was bought by people who raised the black and white issue, black and white law issue, that, that, these, uh, that the state legislature clearly violated the Constitution, that the state Supreme Court clearly violated Article II of the Constitution, that an appellate judge said as much about the, uh, about the legislature. She's overruled quickly by the Supreme Court. Then it all goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, and you think you have a stronger case? Well, just the fact that they have violated... All right, my- no, you don't. You don't. I'm not trying to be rude, but you don't. Thank you for your call. That's why it's important to understand this case and what they did. Let's go to Tom, Cleveland, Georgia, the great WCHM. Go, Tom. Hey, Mark. Well, you've said, laid out pretty much everything I was going to say, so I will just divert to... What happened with you and um, Sean Hannity? I miss, as part of my Christmas tradition, I miss hearing you as Santa on his show. Oh, I haven't done can that you for re- like re- can you 10 re- or 15 years. I That's know. That's a long re- time ago. And I miss it. It well, was I great. You. Can you do that again? No, I can't, but I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. I'm too old for that now, you know? One. One other thing real quick, if I might. Yes, yes. Where would we be in this country without brave people like you and your colleagues in talk radio and the president, President Trump? Where would we be? You know, sometimes I wonder. A friend of mine just wrote me during the course of this show, thank you for everything you do. And you know what I said to my friend? Apparently I don't do enough. Look where we are. It's disgusting. All these institutions are ultimately corrupted. But I want to thank you for your call, my friend. We're not going anywhere here. We're staying behind this microphone or some microphone, depending on where we are in the years ahead. Let me say this from a positive perspective. We have our families. We have each other. Look, there's 74 million of us. We do have a handful of great leaders, although not a ton. We are well aware, our eyes are wide open to what's going on in this country. And we're not going anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and personnel. As a matter of fact, our day will come. Just stay resolute. Just stay resolute. We shall overcome. See you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.